Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist and sexologist about all things dating, relationships, culture, society related in the modern age. This podcast is brought to you by Crush Organic CBD Oil. Go to crushorganics.com, that's crush with a K. Use the code NEIL for 40% off a huge range of CBD oil products. They've got gummies, bath bombs, they've got CBD oil for your pets. If you've got an annoying little dog like Eliza does, get them some <laughs> of that CBD oil. They yeah. won't be pissing off the Karens at the dog park. So go to crushorganics.com, use the code NEIL for 40% off. I've been using it for months. I absolutely love it. Uh, if you're in Melbourne or Sydney or now Newcastle, I do regular improv and comedy shows weekly in Sydney, monthly in Melbourne and Newcastle. Go to neildan.com for tickets. We're also available to do private events. We're improvisers, comedians. We've also got a DJ and we are happy to offer a pretty cheap price because we're new to private again uh, yeah we're new to the private events game we'll do 21sts weddings birthdays corporate events just go to neilcarlhatka.com go to my contact page i'll probably start up a new events page eventually on my website so it might be neilcarlhatka.com slash events by the time this podcast goes out you can figure it out but yeah uh other than that <laughs> how exciting very exciting how are you i was just thinking maybe i'll have you at my wedding yeah <laughs> Happily, that'd be fun. I'll, I'll roast you. Would you bring your partner? Sure. So I can meet her. Yeah, you haven't met her, have you? No. Mm. She was here just before we started the podcast. But, oh, are you joking? Uh, yeah, it's not the same if you, you meet virtually. Br- you should have put her on the podcast. Oh, maybe one day. Yeah. Well, she is <laughs> for our one hundredth anniversary, a hundredth episode. <laughs> She has to come on. Well, we'll see. I don't know if she's uh, the type to uh, put herself out there on the internet just yet, but uh, she will be a, uh, well, like I said in the previous podcast, she'd be about to do a master's in psychology. So, yeah, she could probably. Be a busy girl. Uh, do but she few. can contribute yeah, so definitely. much. If yeah. we ever have any, um, uh, anything specifically about. She's really interested in perfectionism, actually. So she's uh, oh, wow. she's done a lot of uh research yeah. assignments and things on that and perfectionism uh n- notably for the digital age so the way we present perfect images mm. of ourselves on social media when the mm. reality is starkly different to that yeah and that uh, there's so yeah. much study that can be done on on social media and the way we present ourselves and the tribalism and uh, i'd just love mm-hmm. to see a, a, just a basic study on um something like cancel culture, but like when it's a person who is under scrutiny in your tribe, so to speak. So if it's someone that maybe you voted for, mm-hmm. or if I know in America, it's very politically polarized. So when it's Biden who has a scandal versus when it's Trump who has a scandal, how does yeah. the response differ from people who voted for Biden versus people who voted for Trump? I mean, it's pretty clear yeah. what the answer would be there, but I just find that so interesting and and, and sort of unpacking why that is and and how we can have a different set of moral standards for people who we feel are part of our group and community compared to other people um that's fascinating to me it's so interesting how we justify things when 
it's someone from like you said our own community or like you everyone has that one friend that's like I know you cheated on him but like girl you deserve to experience this like you're not at fault or he didn't speak right to your mom so who cares if you killed his cat he deserved it like (laughs) someone that just justifies literally every terrible thing you do (laughs) yeah well killed his cat damn don't kill cats don't do that that's a bit mean uh, oh, if you live in the, by the way, if you live around near me in Sydney, Burwood, Strathfield area, there's like eight stray cats that are just from a litter uh, next door to me. And everyone in my apartment they building, there? yeah, they're still there. There was this organization that said oh, they were going to pick them up. Yeah. So they're not that cute anymore. They, they grow so quickly. Uh, they're probably shorty size and shorty's a very small cat now. So <gasps> oh. yeah, they're, they're friendly enough uh they they do let humans feed them and sometimes even pat them so look if you want to adopt a, a stray um maybe because they, they come out at <laughs> night and uh there's a lot of them there's eight of them Aww. there's uh five black and white ones Aww. there's one black one we call that one shadow i call it shadow no one else calls it shadow and there's a uh there's like a tortoise shell one as well. Yeah, there's it? a there's one that actually looks like yeah. Shorty, my cat, just grey. And then there, I think that one was the mum because that one was a lot bigger than all of them at the Aww. start. And um, how does it work? I was, I was asking my girlfriend about this. How does it work with um, cat colours? Is it like human hair colour where, you know, if, if two of the no parents idea. have... Because like you can have... Sometimes cats have litters and the color of the kittens are completely different to the parents yeah vastly different yeah i have work? no idea it's because it doesn't seem to be like that with dogs so mm. well i don't know but yeah let us know if someone here is a cat expert that's so sad though you you should call other rescue organizations and see if anyone will take them yeah uh apparently after christmas there's uh and it's sad that that this is the oh, case but a lot yeah. of the rescue organizations are really Full from people who have <laughs> given and back this, their Yeah, the other gift. thing is you have you have to be careful with cats is that they do cull cats because there is such an excess yeah. of cats and it's expensive to desex them all and it's safer to not have them out in you know hunting. So oh, yeah, that's sad. The- Someone go get those bloody cats from Neil. The Australian please. environment, like it's uh, supposedly very tough with yeah. all these animals that can kill you and then you introduce rabbits and cats and they all die come on not very <laughs> tough are you a little bunch of rabbits and cats last are killing night me. <laughs> i um i had a dream last night that i don't know what this means so if anyone's here a dream analyst expert please let me know but i was meeting like sewer rats and just befriending <laughs> them and picking them up from the ground and taking them home and kissing them and like just loving them so much so I am a rat obsessed person, so I can maybe it's not that deep. Maybe it's just that I miss having pet rats. That's your <laughs> version of uh, saving the bad boy, saving the sewer rats, like the worst <laughs> possible pet that no one would want. Not even a rat, a yes. sewer rat. And 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 yeah. you're so gracious that you you change the sewer rat into a beautiful domesticated into like a little ratatouille or a rat. Yeah. Or a, what what's the difference between a mouse and a rat? You would know everything. Yeah. All right, give me a summary. First of all, mice are tiny. Okay. Mice are tiny. They don't build emotional connections oh. with, like, their owners. Um, they're cute and you can't train them. Rats are, like, four times as big. 
They look at their owners as pack animals. They're really affectionate. They lie on their back. You can give them tummy tickles. They give you kisses. They lick you. Um, They do this like this thing called boggling where their eyes like shape when they're full of love and excitement, like the equivalent of a dog wagging their tail or whatever. You can train them. You can litter train them. You can make them do mini basketball, get on little mini like skateboards. Um, mine used to do heaps of tricks and they used to come to their name. Wow. Best pets, but you have to have multiple rats. You can't have one, otherwise it's cruel because they're really like social animals. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. So mice are just yeah. bad little rats. Mice are just cute. That's about it. And rats are so intelligent and affectionate interesting that they became um well it's just it's in western culture they're they're seen as well other than from you they're often seen as pests because they would you know they'll roam around your house and get in the nooks and crannies but uh i've heard that the the chinese really admire rats because they're uh, industrious and they make their way through the world and 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 find little ways to become successful which is uh I can yeah, see why that culture so um, admires that, and they have the year of the rat. I think I'm the year of the. I'm 94, so I think I'm the year of the dog. Do you know? We're the year of the dog. Yeah. Yeah. You're, okay. Wait. Yeah. You're 94 as well, so we're year of the dog. <laughs> When's that? Okay. So the last year of the dog was 2018. So it's a while away. It's every 12 years, right? <gasps> Your birthday is coming up. Awesome. When is uh, it? March April? 30th. So yeah, I, I guess March. soonish. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I'll be 28, two more years of the, uh, wow. of the 20s. Ooh. That's exciting. Mm. Are you a Pisces? No, nah, Aries. Aries? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Many times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I fit all the traits. <laughs> I was like, hang on, something's something's not clicking here. Yeah. yeah. Yours mm. is October. I forget the date. Yeah, mm. 29th. <laughs> okay. I'm my mother's maiden name is no. I'm hopeless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know your girlfriend? It's uh, August 25th. I'm pretty sure, but even that, I'm not. I'm not 100. I know it's late August. Is she a Leo? I don't know her star sign actually. No, I don't think she's a Leo. I think she's one of the others. I don't know. Then Google it really quickly. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll ask her. I'll let you know next uh, podcast. I'll let you know. She's a Virgo. I think she's a Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> I just Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> She's definitely, oh, my God, I've lost the podcast now. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay I'm glad we sorted that out. Okay. Otherwise, I would not have been able to rest. And before everyone comes at me in the comments again, I'm not that obsessed with horoscopes. You okay, just had to I'm... Google it. You just had a compulsion to Google it. <laughs> I just think. But do you know what is interesting is that I find that people um, kind of, emulate what their star sign is when they know what their star sign is and um like not to do with star signs but the other day i was talking to adrian he was saying to me like and i was saying like it's so nice that you're such a sensitive and like nurturing person and he was like i swear to god eliza since before i met you i was not a sensitive person you've just made me so weak and mushy because you always tell me like oh you're so nice and sensitive and that's just kind of like maybe more of what I put to the forefront and I was like it's so interesting like you know when you have friends and they're like you're so funny and then around those friends you're more humorous and then you have other friends and they're like you you're so selfless and then you act a certain way around friends based on their view of you so isn't that interesting there's a little pro tip for you if you want to get a, get your man a certain way just start calling him wow. like you are so generous we mirror the 
we mirror our perceived traits and as yes. a result we create that reality yeah very interesting and also we compliment on other people what we like about ourselves so often mm, isn't yeah. that interesting so is it a true or compliment what we in ourselves. because then you're yeah. to a degree being selfish aren't you Hey, this person's It's what you notice. Really like that's just me just kind of You self, will always uh, admire people that are really like super intelligent and logical thinkers and can provide all the information in a neutral <laughs> yeah. like non-biased way. You will always admire someone like that. Yeah. You, you know, know what I've realized? I've re- because that's your traits you like about yourself. Um, I have like a, you know, when they say people have fragile masculinity and then anytime that masculine is questioned, they're like, oh, fuck you, I'll bash you, bro. I think I have like a yeah. fragile intellect. And as soon as someone questions that, I'm like, oh, fuck you, I'll debate you right now. Let's go. That is so true. <laughs> you do. Yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah. But then I was talking to Jordan about this on the other podcast. I think throughout... Every anytime I've had a, an insecurity, I, Mark Manson talks about this in the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yes, I know that's a basic self help book, and a lot of people hate it, but I really liked it. But uh, a healthy yeah. dose of insecurity can be reasonable because it forces us to improve on certain aspects of us and 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 uh, uh, push a certain amount of mental energy towards whether it's a, a goal or a, a certain attribute that mm-hmm. you want to achieve. And yeah. I know. Uh, I used to be a lot more insecure about, say, my comedy and was very sensitive about comments that I'd receive. And, you know, that sort of motivated me to really show, hey, look, I'm a really good comedian. Now, sometimes that insecurity yeah. can be uh, it can be a hindrance because you're trying too hard and you kind of want to be in a natural flow state. But in that situation, the amount of mental energy I put towards achieving a certain goal to conquer that insecurity was good in the long run because it actually improved my mm. comedic skills. And well, a big reason I even started this podcast was I was, I was insecure about dating and, and my sexual experience mm. and, and and just how mm. I uh, came across to, to women. But then I put so much mental energy towards that that, well, I'm now not, let's just say I'm now not pro. insecure about it now, but that is going to sound like yeah. I'm bragging, but I'm not. I'm just saying I'm, I'm not insecure yeah. about it anymore. Uh, and That's so great. I think it's actually good that I'm a bit insecure about my intellect because I'll put a lot of mental energy towards it. And if, hopefully if yeah. the trends continue that way, like has happened so far in my life, then in another six, seven years, I'll be insecure about something else. I'll be like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable with that yeah. aspect of me. You'll be like, oh, I'm insecure about my property so then you work hard and then get yourself like 10 other properties that'll be you i'm sure maybe i'm surprised you're not like super into like investing and cryptocurrency or are you no i know that a lot of people would assume that i am but uh i i have you know investments but i'm not that obsessive type there's some guys that are just they know exactly which coin to buy at what time and they've got bots and they've got all sorts of things i've got like a certain amount in just the big like what bitcoin and ethereum and and you know, it's too hot you couldn't ignore it but ironically enough that's what's causing it to grow there's just enough buzz and attention around yeah it. so many things can just grow that way if you just develop enough buzz and attention around it whether it's purely the most effective product or service there's just a mm-hmm. a, a sort of fashionable element to it and and effective marketing and that's it it becomes a yeah. meme 
And as a result, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then it is the next big thing. If enough people just keep saying it's the next big thing, it then just becomes the next big thing because there's so much in the same way. If you're insecure about something and you put enough mental energy towards it, it can actually improve. And and like with Bitcoin, if that much collective energy is put towards it, it'll just, it'll it'll achieve that status of the next, uh, you know, global currency just because there's the energy put towards it, not necessarily because so it's true. a superior currency. That's how a lot of um, like those magicians work that can predict an answer, even if it's a word like you, they're like, you can write an answer to anything. And it's the answer is chicken or whatever. And then they're talking for 20 minutes and then all of a sudden they'll kind of have an image of a bird or talk about birds and then they'll say like, oh, it was cheap. Like that, those kind of sounds and the person doesn't realize that there are all these subconscious messages being sent to them so that they are already thinking cheap birds, like all these little hints. And then when they're like, oh, you knew I wrote chicken and they're blowing, mind blowing, but really the magician was training you <laughs> to think that the whole way, but then distracting you with all these other random bits of information or fancy things that he was doing. Wow. So interesting. Psychics are similar to that as well. That's amazing. If they've genuinely guessed the word that you're thinking about, that's really Oh, yeah. Impressive. Some of them are so good at it. It's really interesting to watch, yeah. Wow. That really is manipulation. And you're manipulation. like, oh, my God, they must be psychic. Yeah, it Damn. is. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that. It's also similar in um, NLP, which that what's that book that you were recommend not recommending? We always disagree on the dating one. Oh, anyway, um, yeah, and he uses a lot of like NLP strategies. And then in when you we when I went to study it, they were very much like they had to screen you to make sure that you're not a dating coach or <laughs> someone like that That's or hilarious. a man trying to seek women because of how many people use it to manipulate people. But it's really like, basically the tactic is that you do all these things to set it up and then you touch someone on the shoulder and you might say like, I know you find me attractive or something. And then they don't think it. And then you say it a second time, like, I know you, you really like that about me. And they're like, I'm not interested in you. But then later on, you go and touch their shoulder again. And the first thought they have is that person's attractive. And that's all how like you manipulate someone by sending a message and then anchoring it with a physical cue. And then without the physical, when then later when they use a physical cue on its own, the message is stuck to that cue. So Wow. It's a very interesting manipulative thing that people can be so easily manipulated without even knowing. Mm. And the funny thing is, is that I, I know I can be easily manipulated and yet I know all these things. <laughs> That's but, very interesting. Well, yeah. I, when it comes to courtship, every man is to some degree trying to persuade a woman to yeah. whether it's to sleep with him or to go on a date with him or or something like that he's putting on his best self he's not in the same way in social media yeah. you're you, you have a curated version of what you really are that's being put out there mm. when you're trying mm. to approach someone that's a curated version of you that's never your actual self it's a it's a it's a, mm. it's a little hint of yourself potentially I mean, you could make the argument yeah. that every form of courtship is is to some degree manipulative yeah well, this one's extra manipulative because then it comes it came, comes down to this thing was well is it was that person actually consenting or was it you know they were strongly influenced by psychology tactics when they initially had said no three times so 
that's the kind of thing where people were getting really up in arms about it and it became mm. then you had to be registered if you'd studied and you you're on i'm on a board so that i have to practice ethically are with you? this wow. yeah <laughs> on the board of nlp that's crazy that's nice yeah, i didn't know that i don't use it because yeah there you go it, i yeah yeah it's interesting very interesting <laughs> wow well uh, i we could definitely do another podcast on that sometime in the future but we have a question uh, from one of our lovely yes. listeners. And if you'd like to send in a question, uh, we do shout outs and uh, questions on sex sales. So go to neilcohacker.com slash podcasts. And uh, it's $5 a month for a shout out, $15 a month, I think, for a question. And all of that money goes straight to charity. So uh, we raised $5,000 last year overall. Well, you guys did. So well done. And send yeah. in those questions and shout outs okay hi neil and eliza long-term listener of the pod and one of the 10 women who listened to neil and jordan lol <laughs> i love tuning in it's it's more than that it's 10 percent, but i joke that it's 10 <laughs> i love tuning in every wednesday arvo eliza your grace and patience and neil your determination to stay open-minded and thoughtful it's truly a winning combo Aww. for making your listeners feel valued oh that's sweet. My question and subsequent pod theme, if you so wish, is around dating slash ONS anxiety. What's oh, did, One night oh, stand. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm a 24-year-old... Get on Reddit. Uh, there you go. I'm a 24-year-old lawyer <laughs> working in finance, loving life, moving towards my goals, living alone, and truly thriving. After some pretty heavy years in my late teens slash early 20s, I put a lot of effort into the person I am today. Well love to hear that i now it now having been two years since i was in a long-term relationship of five plus years i find myself wanting to get back on the metaphorical horse however i'm really struggling with dating or even casual hookups i've gone on a few dates facilitated by dating apps but i struggle to find anyone to be attractive emotionally and physically enough to even want to move past the first date maybe my standards are too high Given my lack of sexual experience with only having been with one partner, I also think I'm really anxious about not being good enough in bed for anything of a casual nature. Growing increasingly despondent, I'm also wondering if I should just scrap the apps entirely and see if something can happen organically through work and meeting people the old-fashioned way. Perhaps this is me being overly romantic or naive. Any advice or thoughts you both have on overcoming dating anxiety, especially given COVID impacting all our lives, would be greatly appreciated big love millie well thank you that's a re- hopefully she was okay with us saying her name yeah that's a pretty common name so you know it's not like <laughs> you can find that person just with their name so i think that's fine uh okay yeah so uh well first of all covid's In- initial thoughts yeah covid's impacted dating already dating was uh becoming weirder and the apps were having a much greater influence in how people met each other and COVID has just exacerbated that to the nth degree um a lot Mm -hmm. of people have developed anxiety particularly social anxiety having had to endure two lockdowns and i'm not sure if she's from melbourne no she's not but like if you're from melbourne i mean you've hardly been outside Mm -hmm. in the last two years so uh, everyone can be forgiven for uh, not being their best selves 
when they're going on dates. And it is, it's a weird, awkward, vulnerable thing to do, to just meet this person you've met through some sort of algorithm and see if you can actually develop a very deep, intimate, emotional connection. So I don't think there's anything to feel ashamed about if you're uh, struggling mm-hmm. a little bit post-COVID in particular with, uh, with the apps and dating. What are your initial thoughts from that question? I think, yeah, I think you're right. Um, but before I get into that, like I really resonate with the fact that she had a long-term boyfriend from teenage years into her adulthood. And everyone since kind of seems like different or not amazing and the anxiety around the sex and things like that. I definitely experienced that too. I also had a long-term relationship from my teenage years up until 18 or 19. And when we broke up, I was so almost, yeah, picky because you'd go on all these dates, these first dates, and you'd be like, this is all surface level shit. Like, you know, you've come out of a relationship with someone where it was so, you know them so well, you know exactly what they like, exactly how they feel, what their values are. And then you meet someone and he's talking to you about, you know, footy or something very basic. And you're like, nothing compares. It's really hard not to compare a relationship that you've had, especially a long one that you had in your teenage years when you don't know anything different. And then I also remember feeling like the next person I have sex with after this boyfriend, it's such a big deal. Like it was the biggest deal for me to have sex with a second person, much more than it was a bigger deal to have sex for the first time with my boyfriend. So I definitely think that a lot of that can kind of be related. And so my advice would be to start with is knowing that first dates are never some are amazing. Some some can be incredible, but you're not going to get to that level of deepness or nurture or security that you may be used to, um, whether or not it's subconscious or consciously used to. We it, it's the, the contrast is so stark and it seems obvious to people that haven't left a long term relationship, but um, like obviously it's going to be different. It's easy for people to say that, but until you're in that situation, you don't realize how much you compare it to your ex, even though you have been broken up for some time. So I think that that's, that's definitely a, a factor. But that being said, like, you know, I have friends at the moment that are single and they're going on three dates a week and they just cannot connect with people or aren't connecting with anyone. And it just happens. It's hard to find, you know, your person or find someone that, you really connect with deeply and things like that. And maybe it means that it might be more worth you spending more time in the talking phase to know more about them before you go and meet them so that you don't get so disheartened by multiple first dates that aren't coming to fruition or coming to the place that you want to be in. And if you're just searching for that uh, initial romantic rush, uh, that sometimes doesn't develop till a few dates in. It's not yeah. always there yeah, on the first date. Sure. And if anything, often when it is there on the first date, that is more likely to be a fuckboy or someone who's very good yeah. at dating, if you will, and, and, and bringing about that uh, uh, that particular feeling yes, in someone. that's a really so good point. So just, yeah. just be a bit cautious of that. I don't think it should necessarily be a, uh, a, an, an immediate red flag if there's no... Uh, intense chemistry on the first date I think you should just be looking to see hey can I have a conversation with this person that's probably 
the main thing you should be looking yeah, for. Yeah, do I feel good around them? Am I comfortable? Am I enjoying it? I think what you said like is it rings so true in that all the dates I had where it was instant amazing chemistry nothing ever came from that it was all the ones that took a little bit of time to build like my first date with adrian he said two words to me he was so fucking shy i thought and i interpret it as he's not into me at all this is not going anywhere this is bullshit i literally texted my friend saying like oh i might go back and date that other guy from the week before um but by my third date with adrian i was like soulmates we're soulmates that's how i felt so it does not that that's taking time but it was definitely not the feeling i was getting on that first day uh so that's a good point she sounds like a very you know she's a she's a lawyer she's Sounds yeah. like she's really got her life in a in a good place. She's yeah. um, moving towards her goals. She's improving herself. And at twenty four, yeah. on average, there's a lot of women who are you know on top of things. And there's a lot of I don't actually yeah. I, I don't think she said if she's straight or not, but I'm assuming she is. But like, there's a lot of men who are not. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. They're, that the men tend to get to that phase by late twenties and early thirties often. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. You know, you're probably dealing really with a lot of... Point. If you're dating yeah. guys your age, maybe increase that age range a little bit. You don't have to go to sugar daddy level there. But, um, you know, late 20s, early 30s might be a, a more appropriate age range for you. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that's a really good point because when you're... Especially as a lawyer, I know a, a few lawyers or friends that are lawyers and they all have such... A similar personality they're full of drive full of passion really smart and they're seeking someone that is on their level they're like i need someone that gets me they don't want like this kind of well in my experience my friends didn't want someone that's mellow and shy like adrian is or whatever they want someone that is like fuck yeah let's let's go talk about this let's talk about this really matching the, their vibe and what you know level they're on so i think and that is kind of hard to like you said like as much as i hate to say it because <laughs> it's all anecdotal but i do genuinely think that men mature <laughs> like late 20s and That's they settle true. down more and they're more they know more about what they want so maybe that is a little bit of a part of it is waiting um or dating older um than what you are if you're comfortable with that of course that might be something that could help um uh, but in terms of the the one night stand anxiety um I also had that the most before when I was waiting for the second person to come along that I'd ever slept with. And it was such a big deal. And I was so, so stressed about it, which is interesting because when I kind of actually did get there, first of all, it was fine. And then I realized after a while, this guy that I had slept with had like, I don't know, he was like, we were, I don't know, we were both 19 or something. And he'd been with like, three girls or something or a handful of girls had a never had a girlfriend so this guy's had sex what four five times and um he had five one night stands or whatever and i'd been in a four-year relationship imagine how much more sex i had um so who's really the more experienced one i think that's a good way to think about it is that if you've had a partner for that long that you were having or being sexually intimate with you probably have a lot more experience because it's really uncommon for someone of that age a 24 year old man to also have a five-year relationship under his belt um that being said if you didn't have sexual intimacy with your 
previous partner, that's okay. No one really, especially one night stands, they don't care about it that much. If it's going to be like, you just want to get out and have fun and explore, they genuinely don't care. Um, I've never known a girl aside from, oh, I don't know, aside from that one poor girl who married at first sight. Did you watch that episode, Neil, where he told her about oh, where he made comments about us? The, the American guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucking hate him. Anyway, aside from that <laughs> girl, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't even watch That's it. It's got to be set but up. No, no one, one talks has like that. ever told me, none of my friends have ever told me that they have been commented on by a guy saying that they're not good at sex or it was poor performance or anything like that so yeah don't have to worry and look from the male perspective there's something actually quite alluring for a a man often to sort of be a teacher in that situation so um yeah you know you've got nothing to (laughs) worry about there if it's a matter of uh, but at the same time if you are anxious about having one eye stands but you know don't don't rush into something like that because if you're sort of unsure of what you want in that situation a lot of uh, heavier issues could potentially occur there, so I would mm. I would just look. It's one eye stands are fun, but you know, as you get older, you're like, oh, you know, I, I understand. Yeah, the but mentality. when you're 19 yeah. or 20 or in your early 20s and out of relationship, it is all you think yeah. about, and it's one of those things coming from a teenage relationship that's long. It's like that is the oh my god, this would be the most exciting thing of my life. Then you do it twice, and you're like, oh. <laughs> That's the story. um, Everyone says that. They come out of a long relationship and they're like, it was nice, but it was too stable and it lacked fun. And then I want to have fun. And then they they go on like one one night stand and they're like, all right, I want a relationship again. That was horrible. (laughs) The amount of of stories I've heard, especially from uh, females, like Daniel's uh, friend uh, was in a very long term relationship and I guess wanted a break to see what it was like on the dating market and and she was a very sort of go-getter type girl she's very very successful um she's in marketing mm-hmm. I think in the corporate world and the, the husband was actually oh sorry the fi- now fiance was actually not wasn't like he wasn't ambitious but he definitely wasn't that kind of level of ambitious and she was going on these conferences meeting men that were like a bit older than her that mm. were these high-flying mm. corporate types that were very attractive to her and she actually asked for a break and he was devastated wow. and and she just wanted to experience Aww. what it was like uh being single and having a bit of fun and then after one or two occurrences she just re- was like that was horrible i don't want to do that again they're all fuck boys basically so yeah i'm not saying don't do it it can be a letdown yeah i'm not saying don't do it but the grass is always greener always especially in uh relationships and dating the grass is always greener and um it's definitely something yeah you should yeah always (laughs) such an emphasis always (laughs) i've never heard anyone who was like oh it seems so good in this situation and then they get in that situation and they're like yeah it was so good it's always you just look at the positives and you have a romantic view of what it could be like and i'm not look i'm not saying if there's something you really want to experience go for it but yeah. i would just say if yeah. you, if there is a lot of that anxiety there work on that first um before maybe jumping into bed with a with a, essentially a stranger well the thing is though is that that anxiety could be that she's re- it's been 2 years 
and she's she's in a comfort like bubble she's in her comfort zone and our subconscious will put fears in place or give us justifications for anything to keep us in our subconscious zone so you do there you know there is that really fair point in saying that if something is going to be upsetting and potentially could be traumatizing to put yourself in a, com- in a you know a position that you're not comfortable with um literally and you know not literally a position but also, that being said, sometimes it's good to just, especially if, if you feel that you're ready for that and that you could take that, um, God, I keep just putting innuendos in what I'm saying. But if you feel prepared for that, then just, I don't, I'm not against just throwing yourself out there and, okay. and giving it a go. And then once you get over that anxiety, you'll be like, cool. Like, you know, it's always, people always will tell you, oh, don't, don't do one night stands. Like they can't, they're shitty. And you know what? Like, Yes, they kind of are. And <laughs> the people are right in saying that, but it doesn't mean you're not going to be thinking about it, wondering what it's like to connect with someone and have this amazing chemistry for one night. But the reason people say this to you is because, you know, it isn't as satisfying like that friend you were just talking about in that you've been with someone that for that many years, they know what you like, they know how you work this guy that as a, if it's a one night stand he's not going to be as invested in getting you off or he because he's like well i'm not going to see you again like i don't need to do this or abc i don't need to pull out all my best cards just yet um i would actually recommend instead of like a one night stand even if you do only sleep with them once but doing it not with someone you've met that night but someone that you've built a little bit of that sexual chemistry with that flirty banter where it's building and building and building even if you only have sex once after that i think that's much more exciting for uh, especially women than just meeting someone out sleeping with them and that being it although of course you can do things your own way but i think that the reason why a lot of women like we were saying find it unsatisfying after one or two dates is that they wanted that they, it's important. It's so important for women or a lot of women to feel that desire. And it's hard to feel that from someone that's a one night stand rather than thinking, oh, he just wants to get his dick in someone. But someone that you've been talking to, even if it's like three days, you know that they're desiring you, that you know they're thinking about you, they're wanting you. And that can be something that's really like exciting and you want to experience. So just some thoughts. But I would just say if you're, if you're safe and you you're ready for it i would just say go for it okay yeah fair enough <laughs> I, well she's probably ready to go for it but she hasn't found someone where she has that immediate chemistry with so that's probably her her dilemma yeah, here because so, that's the next thing where she's saying nothing no one has been attractive enough for her which uh, yeah <laughs> um it's the lawyer it's, in yeah, her lawyers always have big egos it's, it it's true so maybe your standards are yeah. <laughs> a bit high yeah look uh you hear that a lot nowadays, especially with uh, younger women in their twenties who are, you know, doing really well in their careers. There's, a, there's just yeah. no, no one's good enough. Um, not in, not yeah. necessarily in that sense, but uh, because they've, uh, my guess is that because they've achieved so much in their career and they go for the best like, for I'm themselves and they want that, you know, they yeah. want what's, uh, they want the best and yeah, it's hard to meet the best on you know tinder or whatever and so maybe she is right in saying that uh meeting someone in in her area of work where there probably would be a lot of um you know male lawyers are are also quite well first of all it's a profession where you have to be an effective communicator so you have to be confident to a certain degree you have to speak 
somewhat eloquently and, and be able to converse with mm. people and c- persuade people and convince people. That's the whole point of being a lawyer. Mm. So uh, maybe she would be better off uh, dating within her profession and trying to find people um, through work. I don't know what sort of a firm she maybe works at or if it's you know if it's, a, if it's just a small one with two or three people and they're all older because then <laughs> you're not going to get much luck there but don't do that yeah. you know I'd, I'd imagine someone who's a sort of yeah a, a lawyer working in finance going on a date with just i don't know like I'm, I'm and i'm not trying to be elitist here or anything but hypothetically uh a, like a, a, a typical 24 year old guy who maybe isn't as ambitious and driven and smokes a lot of weed and kind of plays video games and works part-time somewhere of course that's going to be a major totally turn off different. like that yeah they, they're not compatible at all so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if... Um, I think that's pretty... Yeah, I think that's pretty fair and just fine. Plus, lawyers always have sex with each other. That's what I... I yeah, I was going to say that. There's, there's, <laughs> they heard, always There's do. a lot of one-night stands going on in the uh, law profession. Yeah, and that's why lawyers have, like, one of the highest rates of infidelity <laughs> as well because they always just fucking... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, don't do it with a married man, though, Millie. So, stay, stay good. Don't get yourself in any trouble like that. But yeah, I reckon really have a think about if it's about you wanting to stay in your comfort zone and is that what it is? And like you also mentioned that you had a really tough couple of years in your teen years. And obviously we don't, there's no explanation around that. But when trauma occurs in your your life, sorry, and when you come to facing relationships, it's very often that that, plays out in your interactions with romantic potentially romantic people um and i had a friend who also experienced a lot of things in her teenage years and she was also single right up until we've been friends since like we started uni 18 she was single all the way up until 25 she went on a couple first dates here and there never felt it with anyone barely felt attraction but she was desiring one night stands she was desiring some something spicy to happen and then eventually with her current um partner it took her months to build an attraction to him after not being attracted to years and years like literally months and now they're so perfect for each other she's so into him they're so um like you know love they've been together for years and they're so loved up but what it was for her is that she had trauma and because of that she didn't want to allow people to get close she shut down she found the flaws in people she thought you know subconsciously was thinking that their actions are sinister or they're not well-intentioned or she had a high checklist because she wanted someone that could keep her safe and you know the guy she ended up settling down with love him he didn't meet half the things on her checklist but he made her feel safe and 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 so she was like okay I feel safe and I'm comfortable around him that's what I'm getting at at the start so she continued to date him and then it was a really long build before she got to that point with him so I think that if you experience significant trauma or even any trauma in your teen years um or life it's it may be worth um seeking support from a counselor because you may have a disorganized attachment or be a little bit um 
you know, not have not secure, not have a secure attachment. And you may be kind of someone that pushes someone away without even realizing that that's what you are because you were so safe in your current, in your previous relationship that you may have thought, well, I've always had a secure attachment, but it was only because that person was with you for so many years that it felt secure, but maybe that is not your natural state. Yeah. Lots to unpack. No, absolutely. So uh, I don't know if, well, depending on how intense that trauma may be, maybe therapy is the right uh, yeah. solution there. Uh, I would also suggest, you know, give give people two or three that because she's saying um, she hasn't found anyone attractive enough to move, even move past the first date. And, you know, sometimes give people two or three dates and then see what it's like after that. Yeah. It, you know, things can develop. I mean... I, I understand that it can be very tedious if it's someone you just despise and if it feels like work on the first date. But if it's just a matter of they're nice and the conversation was okay but there wasn't a spark, well, that's enough mm-hmm. to still go on a, on a second and potentially a third date. Um, mm. So Another thing that may be subconsciously holding her back, and I do, I just relate this to myself in my early dating days of Tinder and not going to second dates and things like that is because back then when I was really young, I had anxiety around, you know, the sexual relationships and am I going to be good enough or whatever? And it's so funny to think back on now that that was such a real experience for me that I was subconsciously also for a little bit there shutting down first dates because I thought if it, no one's going to expect me to have sex on them on the first day, but if it progresses to a second or third date, then they're going to want to have sex with me. And then I'm, I'm going to have to make that decision on the spot. And that's really scary. So there may be a lot of underlying factors here as to why you're not progressing to a second or third date. And it may actually be less about the people you're dating and more about your life experiences, your insecurities and what's going on for you. So it's really, you got to think really long and hard, like how much is this anxiety impacting me? How much do I think about it? Am I actually genuinely that insecure about it? Because that could be a really good reason or solid reason as to why you're finding reasons not to progress to a second date. Cause you think, well, that means I'll be telling them I'm sexually interested in them and I'm not sure I am. And then I'll have to either reject them, which is even scarier than having sex with them. So mm. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. When I was younger, I was mortified about my sexual performance, and it made it yeah. way worse when I actually became famous. Because then I couldn't help Hell but think, yeah. all right, if I was some random guy that a girl had hooked up with, and I was terrible in bed, she'd forget about it, or she'd be like, oh, that guy that was yeah. hopeless and came in a minute or whatever. But uh, yeah. Then when I got a profile, it made it twenty mm-hmm. times worse because. I, I knew if I was terrible in bed, she'd go and tell everyone, oh, I'd slept with that guy yeah. from YouTube and he was hopeless. And then all these people yeah. would, anytime a video would pop up, oh, my friend fucked him and he couldn't get it up or Aww. whatever. And that made it worse. And then that anxiety actually made it happen because I was so paranoid about okay. being terrible in bed. So look, there's probably a lot of stories out there of me being hopeless in bed. And you know what? Remember it when, is what um- it is. <laughs> Remember when you were talking about, I can't, I don't know, yes. I can't remember if it was, a, I don't I think it was what, a sexual context, yep. but it was like a dating context, the Russian girl. Yeah, I definitely remember that. <laughs> and then her friend, the Who Russian girl's friend commented podcast. on, yeah, great. on Good the to know. YouTube being like, yep, can confirm, Neil did do this. Yeah. 
Yeah, because there's actually (laughs) 10 times more performance anxiety when you're like, oh, my God, because they're going to tell everyone. So that made it so much worse. So you know what? Look, there's probably a lot of Chinese whispers out there about me being horrible in bed, and you know what? It is what it is. Like, cool. It's, uh, yeah. It, uh... (laughs) Mad. It is. They still came. Is. They still. They still <laughs> came back to my hotel. They still so came in. you know. <laughs> yeah, who's the real boss? Exactly. You are Neil. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, but yes, it's probably not relatable to everyone out there. But um, <laughs> but really, it did point actually. I wouldn't have it, really thought about. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I actually. Uh, struggled a lot more in the, with I guess performance anxiety after mm. I got a profile because before mm. I don't really care like if I was bad there was no I yeah. didn't feel that much pressure on me but then um you know tour being a touring comedian and and sometimes having this hotel and and you know kind of being famous yeah. I, I felt like oh I'm expected to kind of live a rock star life and then and then it's really hard to be good at sex when you're stressing about it and not yeah. actually just like being f- purely primal in the moment. When you're thinking about it, analyzing it, you lose your erection oh, yeah. or you're making like clumsy mistakes and you're thinking you're 10 times worse than probably what you actually were. Absolutely. And yeah, I'd always just kind of, yeah. I'd purposely get really drunk because then I could use that as an excuse. Yeah, you know, I know it's sad now that I think back on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely struggled with a lot of that, I guess, performance anxiety due to the when fact you- I had a profile and it was because of that. Have you overcome that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm in a relationship now, but uh, yeah, no, it took a lot we'll of uh, yeah. a lot of work, I guess. And then, yeah, the porn probably was didn't help. Was it work inside or like was it internal internal work or was it experience that helped you overcome it? Both. A bit of both. Or it both. was experience, yeah. internal work, and then also just not caring as much. And I'm like, eh, look, if I did a bad performance, what's cool? She'll tell a few people yeah. and a few people will have a story about how I'm shit in bed, mad. I can still live yeah. my life. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But Exactly. Um, yeah, it was It was just, it was really uh, hard. Because I got, you know, I was, I was touring the country at 19. And I wasn't very sexually experienced yeah, at all. So, yeah, yeah um, it was a lot to kind of jump into. Um, and then suddenly all these Did you people... ever have... Yeah, go on. Did you ever have older girls pursuing you when you were 19? Yeah, sometimes. When I say older, you know, now, I guess, our age, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, wow. One of my very first ever just like casual experiences i was 19 she was 25 so it's not that much now that i think about it i don't know i guess if it was a guy that was 25 for a 19 year old yeah Yeah, and then the girl was 19 maybe a few more eyebrows would be raised but i i don't yeah at that age you're you're both adults but um no that was actually a that was an example where like i uh yeah definitely uh, it was like the second time I think I'd ever had sex. Like I lost my virginity in one night stand and then I suddenly got famous. And then like that, I'm pretty sure was maybe like the second or third time I'd ever had sex. And because yeah. she was older as well, I was like, I was paranoid about it. And um, yeah. yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't that good, the sex. But um, she took it kind of personally, I think. Like she sort of thought, hey, I'm not, am I not attractive or and then that made it worse. Yeah, it, yeah you get into those situations. So, Which like, if sucks. coming yeah. back to the question here, like, um, 
you know, if guys do experience that, uh, you know, can't get it up or whatever, don't, it's not, it's almost certainly not you. It's, um, yeah, it's in your head. Yeah. It's, um, oh, and I mean, it's not the girl that if you're a girl and then the guy experiences that, it's not because you're unattractive. Almost never. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just a little good thing to Facts. to note. But, yeah, the anxiety over one-night stands is it's a very vulnerable position you're putting yourself into. So it's perfectly normal mm. and you want to perform. You want to be – you want to give the other person a great night and, and give mm. them an experience to remember. And especially if you are like – like we were saying, if you are that sort of go get a lawyer or like you know any sort of profession where you're ambitious and um, want to achieve things in other aspects of your life, that that that's that would also come come out in your bedroom performance. You want to be a high achiever there too, yeah. But then that yeah. pressure can actually be counterintuitive to performing well. Like you said, you just kind of want to be in your body and and actually things like meditation and relaxing and and that can be very effective rather than putting too much pressure on yourself um i will say as well that there is a it is a lot more easier as a woman to handle those anxieties and then you know performance shitty performance than it is for a man where it's so overtly obvious because as a girl you know there is a lot of of that expectation or or t- the typical sexual scenario is that he may instigate in missionary where you may not have to really even do anything and <laughs> just lie there and enjoy it, girl, and just be enthusiastic. That's what I think 90% of what makes the situation sexy. Not enthusiastic as in go team, but you know what I mean. Um, so <laughs> that rhymes. Um, but yeah, I think that it, we do have a bit of an advantage. It's much easier. There's not much stigma about being a pillow princess if you are. Um, and also if you have like anxiety around blow jobs and things like that, not many guys, especially on a one night stand, actually expect blow jobs. So don't feel like you have to do that. You can easily turn that around and be like, I just want you in me. <laughs> then bam. <laughs> Problem that's solved. True, yeah. <laughs> it's really easy. And they're like, oh, shit, that's so hot. <laughs> Just to avoid it. But, yeah, I think that once once it's over and done with, if it's shitty, you'll think about it for like three days and then you'll be over it. I think what will make it stick in your mind, for me in particular, what happened to me is that when I had a shitty sexual experience, the reason it really fucked with me is because I didn't want to do it and I felt so stupidly to think back on this now, but I really felt pressured because I had agreed to the second or third date and then I was back at his house and I was like, oh, I shouldn't have come here if I didn't want to have sex with him. So I just went through with it and it was literally the worst experience and I hated myself for it. So please don't ever mm. feel embarrassed to say no because that'll be the thing that fucks with you. Even if you're standing there naked and you change your mind, who gives a shit? If they're going to be pissed off, put yourself first. You don't owe them anything. That's definitely Rant true. Over. But that's, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, uh, but if that's where, if you are experiencing anxiety over it, uh, you don't want to be second guessing that and try and, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of unsure about what you want and then end up regretting it so that's where yeah. i'd say if you if you want to have one night stands and want to have fun go for it but if you're if your anxiety is coming from your performance that's something where 
yeah, look, everyone kind of experiences that. And look, if you're bad in the bedroom, well, it's just not the end of the world. Like, you know, what? The person's going to laugh about it to their friends the next day and then probably get over it. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, like I said, we have it so much easier. Like, what does it mean if a girl is super bad in bed that she was she lay back and did nothing like if that's the worst it's much there's so much more judgment that can come to men like oh he didn't get it up oh he came in two seconds oh this that that whatever that people can put onto men and so much more pressure so at least (laughs) at least there's that um which you know that's not to say sucked in man it's it's so shitty Uh, um but for this girl's circumstance it's something Yeah. yeah 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 so if it's if it's the insecurity over the performing performing uh in the bedroom mm. then yeah i agree like maybe you know just jump into that like that's not something to be too insecure about but if it's insecure insecurity about just like whether or not you actually want to have that one night stand and, and actually be intimate with someone who's you're not as emotionally connected to then that's something where like if you're unsure about that that's where i'd sort of be a bit more hesitant yeah. to say, oh, just jump into it because situations yeah. can come about where then, yeah, you're actually there at someone's house and you're like, oh, fuck, actually, is this really what I want? And um, of course, like, yeah. I'm not saying at all you should feel bad about it. Like, if you if you say no, then that's totally um, justified. It doesn't matter if the guy gets pissed off, but you probably don't want to get to the point where it's in that situation Yeah, it's either. a shitty situation to be in. It's, it's a confronting. Yeah. Um, one of the other tips I had actually about when you are on first dates this is for everyone and you're not like you tend to not find that attraction or that sexual attraction on your first date is and i actually experience this a lot as well dating and i found that by breaking a touch barrier was in a non-sleazy way it was a really subtle and gentle way to actually build my attraction or see if that's there so instead of sitting opposite each other on a date i always sit shoulder to shoulder sometimes casually have our shoulders touching our bodies are already building chemistry and like i remember um like adrian was so shy and frigid and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> You really have a go at him, don't <laughs> Which you? I yeah. did find very attractive. Okay. I love shy boys. So it was an attractive quality okay. to me. I love a shy man, especially if he's awkward. It's the cherry on top. But, you know, it was a little bit when I wasn't sure how he was feeling about me. And a lot of my attraction, I find, which I took me a long time to realize, and it's never fun to admit it, but a lot of my attraction comes from how I know they feel about me. So when it wasn't obvious that they were sexually attracted to me i wasn't actually reciprocating that in at all so by build breaking that touch barrier I remember once when i went on a date with adrian it was our third date he still hadn't fucking kissed me and i was kind of like what is happening and i just grabbed his hand and then he was just with his hand just like using his thumb and like rubbing my hand and i was just like instantly so attracted so i just wish i had broken that earlier or like when you put your arm around a guy when you're walking being like, let's go get gelato and he pulls you in close, just those little things. Um, or I remember once when I was at a bar ages ago and I was like, it was actually, I was with my friend and we'd only ever been platonic and he kind of told me I, he was interested in me and I was like, I don't know if I could see him that way. Anyway, we were walking outside and he was walking with his hand on my lower back and then all of a sudden I was like, yeah yeah, this is happening. <laughs> this is my man. <laughs> um, so it was, it only was when I had broken touch barriers that I could build that. 
But that's my love language, physical touch. So I don't know if that will apply to everyone, but it's definitely something worth trying because, you know, there's no harm in having your shoulders rub. Yeah, and it's definitely, uh, it can put the the man at ease if the woman does make the the first move in that sense, Uh, not necessarily leaning in to kiss the guy, but putting your hand on his leg or or on his shoulder or, you know, something a bit flirtatious, like, ooh, look, have you been working out or whatever the hell, you know, that could be. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, a lot of men probably want to do that, but then they're Sometimes they don't read the signals. They want to. They don't want to come across be, cr- creepy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you lean in to kiss someone and oh, what are you doing? That's pretty. Uh, yeah, that's embarrassing. the worst. It's very humiliating, and you know, yeah, of yeah. it's, it's not nice. So, um, it's hard yeah. sometimes in a in a on the first date to know when exactly to to move in for the for the kiss. Uh, it's not always easy, and and sometimes it does rest on both partners to to sort of give enough obvious hints that they are looking for it without being too sleazy uh, and then insinuating that that's something they want. Uh, But at the same time, you can definitely misread those signals. And, um, yeah, there's been uh, plenty of opportunities. That's a good – we should do a podcast on that one time. When is the best time to go in for a first kiss? Because I think there's a lot of, like, art to that and a lot of things that you have to consider. Okay, there's something worse than when you're, like, halfway through a sentence and someone just turns around to kiss you and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you need to know. You need the vibe needs to be there. You need to read that signal that this person is going to be accepting and receiving of this. So, yeah. anyway, that's a story for another time. But I do find, like, when you're Agreed. talking about... Some they don't. Some people, men or whatever, don't want to come across as sleazy, or they don't want to be come across as forceful. But I have always found that as soon as I break a touch barrier, and sometimes the easiest way to break it is when I'm laughing, or I'm like, "Oh yes, I will touch their forearm, like here." And I'd be like, "That's so funny." Yes, this happened to me too. Whatever. And then as soon as you do it, you'll notice they're like, "Cool, this is now accepted in this interaction." So they do it back or they'll like you know give you a little nudge here and it's not instantly like stroking your hair and and pulling you in for a kiss it's just closeness and playfulness yeah that's really nice yeah just sort of not overtly (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah that's nice uh that's not overtly (laughs) sexual touching but just flirtatious playful touching for me the 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 biggest indicator for when it was appropriate to go in for the first kiss was when there was sort of prolonged eye contact and then I, yes. I would make like a little bit of a lean and she wouldn't and she would just be receptive to that lean and then i'm like all right I can yes. go in like if, if you make That's that prolonged eye contact, do a bit of a lean and she looks a bit uh uncomfortable then i would i would sort of back out but if you yeah. if it was prolonged eye contact uh without it being just too prolonged without nothing without anything happening um <laughs> A yeah. bit of eye contact, probably not saying too much, and then you you slightly lean in, and if she leans in a bit, then okay, that's the you, you got can the signal. also if you're extra cautious or really want to be certain, you can start your lean midway through your conversation, just moving a little bit closer, like this, kind of going closer, closer, not like hovering to her face, but just casually moving towards her when you're talking about something, she will either, if she is subconsciously not interested, she'll casually shift back like this. And you got to be aware of that. She will keep that same distance. But when you know to look out for it, 
that'll be your signal. Surely to stay there. So you're, you know, you've gone from a meter distance to half or 50 centimeters or whatever. But if you lean forward and she somehow very casually leans back, leans on her shoulder or whatever, on her elbow, I mean, and she kept that meter distance, she's not ready to be kissed. Yeah. The and same for him. Eye contact is a big one. If there's yeah. prolonged eye contact, that is a big indicator. Yeah. Not always, not always. But uh, yeah, there is an art to it and, and practice makes perfect. I was terrible at this when I was a teenager and then as you just go on more dates and have more relationships, you, you get better at it. And then it's also a, a sort of, it's like riding a bike in a way that if you haven't done it for someone new for a long time, like it sounds like Millie might have, then it can be hard to, as she mm. says, get back on the me metaphorical horse. But uh, eventually you might have to, Again, if that insecurity is just about you maybe not being good enough or whatever, that then, you, you know, just jump in, not jump fully into the deep end, but uh, dip your toes in and and sl slowly yeah. escalate a little bit each each new date and give guys a, a second or third date if you're not super attracted initially. And again, I, I'm assuming yeah. you're straight. But I don't you know like you, them. What, whoever yeah. it is that you're dating. And uh, try meeting people in the workplace. Uh, it's not always that easy but from what i've heard like eliza said in the law profession it does actually seem rather uh <laughs> a rather like ample opportunity to meet like-minded people who are just as horny as uh, each other so that's uh, a stereotype i know but uh it definitely rings true for every uh, true. lawyer i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and uh yeah give us a uh Give us an update a couple of weeks or months Please from now. Please give us an update, yeah. And this is definitely an issue that a lot of people seem to be experiencing, particularly post-COVID. The, the, mm. the dating world is just growing increasingly uh, atomized and uh, people yeah. are finding it much harder to meet like-minded people and they're very unsure of people's intentions and... My friend mm. who had been in a long-term relationship for seven years, uh, he's been out of it now for two years, but Tinder wasn't around before when he was last single. <laughs> I mean, I think there was just, Tinder uh. had just started, but not many people were mm. on it. Online dating wasn't yeah. even a thing eight, well, nine yeah. years ago. That's how much things have changed. Now the majority of people, sorry, online dating was a thing, but the apps weren't as prevalent not as they were. Not for young people yeah. at least. And, yeah. uh most people just met through friend groups or at uh, clubs and parties. And in the course of less than a decade, it's changed so dramatically. And if you've been in a long-term relationship for most of that time, you can be very forgiving of yourself to uh, be put off by this new dating landscape that we exist yeah. in. And then now people are saying uh, even the apps are, aren't as good as they used to be. And a lot of people are meeting by sliding into each other's DMs and, because it's everyone, ha everyone that's single has it. So it's kind of like Instagram. Like, you know, you're almost so casually using it where it used to be such a big deal and it was so exciting yeah. and, oh, I shouldn't be on Tinder, but you put in so much effort. Now everyone has it. They're always talking to people casually. So it's so like, it's almost just like a secondary app you have going in the background and maybe there's not as much effort in there, but. That's true. Still great. Probably the easiest way to meet people is still going to be on Tinder, unfortunately. Although I met, um, the, well, I didn't meet, but I worked with this girl and she was younger than me. She's 25. And she was like, oh, I met my boyfriend, plenty of fish. And I was like, what? People still use that? 
mine. You were on plenty of fish at 25. It's crazy, but she did it. I've heard Hinge is the one now. Um, most of my yeah, mates who are my single all use seem to be on Hinge a lot, and and Tinder apparently yeah. it's just so overtly for one night stands and uh, Bumble. Apparently, I don't know how true this is. It's just something I saw on social media but uh bumble is actually losing out to hinge a lot of people are migrating to yeah hinge yeah people don't, apparently a lot of them don't actually like making that first message uh and yeah. that's the reason a lot of people are kind of leaving bumble so it seems like hinge is the one everyone hinge in their is 20s good. is on so people on i think that. think a lot more about it like when i was on tinder i could get like 800 matches a week and when i was on hinge you'd get like 50 so it's much like much more i think people put effort into it yeah what <laughs> even that, that's a lot <laughs> 50 a week damn uh well yeah too good still it's a lot of it's still overpopulated um by men using dating apps a lot more than women but anyway we won't go into that we'll spend mm, ages but yeah true. i like hinge i think it's good there let us go. know millie keep, keep us updated yeah let us know keep definitely keep us updated love to hear from you in a couple of weeks i think you she said we should um hook um, about a month and a half ago already so let's maybe there's been an update already email me if not millie you should reach out to us and we should get millie with one of those guys that put the sex cells in his in his hinge bio back in the day remember and i got people to send that into me and then my then my instagram messages crashed and i lost them all so i couldn't post it but a lot of people had done it it was so exciting so yeah maybe i'll find them again send them to me we, we'll start our own dating app the sex sales dating app yes. maybe we'll be the real experts i would i would love to match make people that would be my dream job you'd be good at it too if i could get paid for that you'd be yeah we best. should do an app you get the male candidates. I'll get the women candidates. Oh, and then we'll do same-sex, of course, relationships too, and then we'll match them ourselves and be like, and set up blind dates. Yeah. $1,000. Yeah, we can create our own reality. If you get maps, <laughs> let's do our own thing. It'd be way better. Yeah, that'd be fun. Matchmaker yeah. for uh, people in their young, uh, yeah, younger people. Although then again, the people yes. on maps are like pretty young too, so. Yeah, but they're all, even the, you know, the producers actually made a statement the other day saying that they know that they are consciously selecting people that are wanting to be famous and wanting to be put out on the internet. So they said, you know, basically they said getting married is a secondary want to being famous and they're aware of that for all of their candidates. Was anyone really, you know, on the on the bandwagon that no these are just people who really want to find love like come on give me a break <laughs> yeah true you're gonna, you're gonna get on a sh- national tv show meet someone uh so who is paired with you to create drama let's be honest those experts they're pairing people together to create drama and the editing is so obvious <clears throat> as someone who knows video editing they if you if yeah. you watch that any reality tv show you can watch this on the bachelor survivor all of them you watch the way they'll cut between people and still have someone's voice playing while they make a cut. Yeah. That means that wasn't said in that context. That means it was said <laughs> in a very different context or they've pieced, they've added audio onto something someone said. They've then shown a reaction so of that sneaky. person. Yeah, they, they're not showing it. They're not showing the unedited version. There is no way. Imagine if Celine was really nice after all and it was all Anthony being a dick and they just edited it all out. 
I mean, look, <laughs> anyway, it was probably I'm a bit gonna... more 50. Yeah, look, I understand why Who people knows? are like, oh, stop talking about reality TV. But it's good to sort of extrapolate on situations you see there, which are relatable yeah. to real life uh, instances. Okay, fair. We shouldn't sort of be making judgments about an entire group of people based on what we see on reality TV because it skews towards people who probably are one acting or two uh, yearn to be famous and that's not a mm. accurate sample space of, of the average population but the situations that occur there are very real and they mm. happen maybe not to such a sensationalist degree but they happen in real relationships and uh yeah, that American guy is something else. He's, uh, I'm like, surely this guy's acting. This can't be real. Uh, on that first oh, I fucking hate honesty box or whatever oh. when he's like, uh, yeah, I, I have the machinery that's good for sex. I know how to use it. And you just weren't doing that. I'm like, no one, surely that's fake. Surely was, that's fake. No one talks when, like when that. When they had to do like the confessions. Yeah. And they did like share their deepest, darkest secret. And he's like, nobody knows this about me. I've slept with 350 women. Oh, I'm not <laughs> okay, up to that episode, it. but that's hilarious. Oh, that's, just that guy wait. is something else. It's, it just gets worse. Anyway, we talk, I remember we talked about this a year ago when Maths was out, last out, and everyone was commenting me like, what the fuck is Maths? It's married at first sight. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, yes. it's, it's People hate it because it's so simple or whatever. But look. I actually like what just tuning out and watching like trash reality TV. Yeah, same. And overanalyzing it's like my it. Strategy. Yeah, same. I'm like, oh my god, the incompatibility here. Exactly. Who decided this? Oh, I think it was where this, are their this whole podcast. So of course we're gonna like that show. But uh, maybe we should do an entire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just piss people off. Do an entire three episodes just um, unpacking all the all the couples. I would love that. to do that. <laughs> Yes. I probably wouldn't mind it either, but I'm a bit behind and I'm watching on that. Uh, by the way, Nine Now, if anyone from who designed the Nine Now app, Jesus Christ, no wonder you're losing out to Netflix. That is the most horrific app. <laughs> Jesus, True. figure out the advertising. It it. Out. Figure out the interface. Yeah. It's horrendous. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, Millie, thank you so much for the question. Uh, if you'd like to send in a question, neilcolhatka.com slash podcasts, all the subscription money from those goes straight to charity we also have shout outs available uh crushorganics.com use the code neil for 40 percent off and uh come see me live in sydney every week monthly in newcastle monthly in melbourne so look if you're where eliza is you come up to the newcastle show now i know the central coast hates newcastle but look i'm not going to do a show in the central coast you gotta come up to newcastle do we hate newcastle okay noted (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you guys hate each other. I'm pretty sure. Oh, shit, all right. No, Newcastle hates being associated with the... When uh, people from Sydney... When someone says, I'm from Newcastle, and people from Sydney are like, oh, yeah, yeah, kind of near the Central Coast. People from Newcastle hate that. They're like, no. Even to them, they're bogans. And I'm like, fuck. That's something. (laughs) That's saying something. So for everyone else in Australia, the geography is Sydney and then... Just north of Sydney is the Central Coast, and then just north of the Central Coast is Newcastle, and then there's just nothing, and then there's Byron Bay, and then there's the Gold Coast. That's basically the East Coast, you know? What else is there? Well, yeah, true. <laughs> and then there's Cairns. Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. Got a bit of geography lesson. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Oh, and last thing, if you want to book a private event for with me as a comedian and improviser with daniel and we've got a dj max as well go to neilcohacker.com 
and email me. We will see you next guys. And next time, guys. Thank you. See you next week.